Hello everyone, welcome to a very special podcast. My name is Stevie Clifford and I'm here at Ibrook Stadium on behalf of Fan Media with a very special guest, Mr James Taylor, Chief Financial Officer here at Ibrook Stadium. Hi James, can you just introduce yourself and give us a wee description of your role and the kind of day-to-day working day that you encounter in your in your position here at Ibrook? Yeah, absolutely, and and thanks very much for the invite. I uh, look forward to look forward to the discussion. So, so my role here, as you say, Chief Financial Officer uh, here at Rangers, uh, joining just at the start of September, um, and effectively my role entails being responsible, accountable for all aspects of of the financial performance of the football club. Uh, and in addition to that, I also have company secretarial duties um, alongside sort of helping to support the AGM, running the AGM, supporting the board through through various different uh, decision-making processes as well. So it's um, it's uh, it's quite a big role. So there's a lot of responsibility attached, a lot of um, a lot of responsibility that I take on personally. And, and look, it's been it's been an interesting few months and, and looking forward to the, the coming months and years. Yeah, as because of obviously the, the recent history of Rangers, it's obviously a very high profile role and one that the fans are interested in consistently and the accounts is always a huge discussion point. Accounts were obviously published towards the end of last year. Can you, on reflection, kind of talk us through those results, maybe highlighting the main positives and perhaps areas of improvement that the club are embarking on and just a general overview of of the accounts and bear in mind as simply as we we can, that's the whole point of it because when I read the accounts I'm like this doesn't mean anything to me. (laughs) All good, all good. Yeah, look, I think like on a headline level, uh, we did generate a, an operating profit. Uh, so we highlighted that at the time. That was a, a quarter of a million pound operating profit post player trading. Uh, and I'll make the distinction in terms of post player trading and pre player trading quite a lot probably throughout this conversation. So that 250,000 was the second consecutive year of operating profit. And given where the club's been and, and where we are now, we've got to take that as a positive. Uh, and again, in addition to that, the revenue numbers were strong. They were uh, above eighty million again for the for the second year in succession, and again I think for me that's something that that we want to continue to build on. That we're certainly continuing to see growth in this year as well. Uh, so we're quite excited by the by the the continued kind of commercial growth of the football club. The challenges uh, to your point around uh, where can perhaps we we look to improve. I think the chairman of the AGM was quite clear around the fact that pre-player trading. So if and when I say pre-player trading, I mean before any player gains on sale are recognised. Last year we had um, Bassi and Aribo to, to name two. And that is offset by player amortisation. So any cost that's associated with the players goes onto the balance sheet and we then amortise that over the life of the contract. So before we take those into account, there was a 10 million operating loss at the football club. So that's something that the chairman set out and said at the AGM that he wants to go away. And that's something that we as an executive team, um, as a board, uh, as a football club as a whole, uh, are determined to do over the next strategic cycle. So there's a lot of work to do to bring ourselves forward. And I think when we touch on some of the, the player trading aspects uh, in terms of this conversation, then I think you'll understand in terms of why that's an important line for us, uh, that pre-player trading line. So uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. But for me, um, as we move forward through this next strategic cycle, moving to a break-even point, pre-player trading is something that we feel is eminently achievable and is something that we want to deliver. Just a, a side point on that. How do you deliver that? Because that is a big thing. Ten million pound isn't an, an easy deficit just to click your fingers. So no, what absolutely. sort of 
things can we do as a football club to try and close that gap? Yeah, absolutely, and it's a very good point. There's a there's a number of things, um, and just kind of talking down through the um, through the PL from my perspective. First and foremost, it's about revenue growth. How do we deliver margin and, and positive margin generating revenue? Uh, so that might be on the commercial side, that might be in European competition, uh, that might be in domestic competition uh, in terms of improving our performance. Uh, but that that obviously will have a have an uptick in terms of moving away or taking away some of that gap. In terms of how we structure uh, the football club moving forward and how we look at um, the, the, the kind of quantum that we put into first team, into academy, into women's football, we need to make sure that that is sustainable uh, moving forward as a football club. And then ultimately, there are other areas of cost efficiency that we need to get into. So one of the, the kind of key tasks for, for us as a football club as we move into next season is how do we ensure that we are getting the best bang for our buck, if you will, sure. across the club. So are there things that perhaps we've been spending historically that, that we don't need to spend on that can be better utilised elsewhere? Is there strategic spend that we can invest in different parts? That might be in the first team, that might be in the women's team, maybe in the academy maybe in the wider business. Uh, how do we get um, better outcomes for the football club through going through those cost optimization exercises? So there's there's a number of different facets around how we make that go away. Mm. I think you'll see across um, various different football clubs that that's a challenging target, uh, to be clear. Uh, but I think it's one that, that we should set ourselves. I think it's one that, that we believe as an exec and, and as a board that we can deliver against. Um, it will likely take probably the first half of the strategic cycle to really deliver on that and deliver on that consistently. Uh, but we do think that we're on the right path. The changes that, that we've made in the first four or five months, we're seeing the outcomes of those. Um, but it will take a little bit of time to make sure that we have that, that sustainable number moving forward and making that 10 million go away. Yeah, that makes sense. Just basically ensuring that we're cost effectively spending throughout the club and not wasting. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, makes, that makes sense. So... Something I wanted to touch on, and it's always mentioned quite a lot, and you've actually mentioned it at the recent fans forum, is the FFP, European laws. You mentioned at recent fans forum that they were passed with no issues, which is obviously a great thing. But where do the, stand, the club stand with UEFA? We've heard previously Stuart Robertson in his time mentioned that we were on a financial watch list and things like that. Are we past that now? Is that beyond kind of having to worry about anything like that? And although we need to watch these perimeters... Are we comfortably where we should be within them? Yeah, it's a good question. I'll probably I'll probably touch on this in a in a few different areas and just touch through the some of the some of the pillars that, that we're talking about. So look, as a football club, you're right, we were on a financial watch list um, with regards to UEFA from the CFCB uh, in relation to uh, I think it was last year, a couple of years ago. And it was specifically around a particular accounting adjustment. Um, that was perfectly within the rules, uh, but it's something that was bringing revenue back from a from a COVID position that uh, automatically, effectively makes you go into a watch list. So that was the case. Uh, and look, I think the, the UEFA rules are moving forward. They've, they've progressed. The regulation um, within UEFA has changed now from what we would define as FFP uh, to something that is along the lines of uh, UEFA club licensing and UEFA club monitoring. So from a licensing standpoint, as long as we have a, um, a positive balance sheet, uh, then from a purely financial angle, there's a number of other things that go into it, but from a financial angle, that would take that box and, and we're comfortable there uh, with regards to our balance sheet as it stands today. In terms of the UEFA monitoring, which you mentioned the word worry, uh, that's something that obviously uh, I want to make sure that doesn't go away from my vocabulary because I need to be on top of these things and this is something that, 
as I say, the accountability um, is something that, that I take very, very seriously. So from a monitoring standpoint, there are three pillars and we're effectively um, covered by all three. So the first one is overdue payables. So we need to ensure that there are no football debts, outstanding transfer fees, um, contingent transfer fees, what have you. That's like when you sign a player and you do three instalments on yeah. a transfer fee, just yeah, to kind of simplify that. Exactly, exactly. So on a quarterly basis, we effectively have to make sure by a couple of weeks afterwards, we've cleared all of our football debt. So that's something that um, the team, the football department, the finance department work hand in glove to ensure that we're, um, we're on top of that and we continue to be on top of that. The second one is around football earnings. Uh, so this is your typical, what you would define as FFP, what you see is the and down south in terms of Everton and, and Nottingham Forest and some of the challenges down there. And that's in terms of the losses that you make over a period of time. Mm. So there are, and I won't bore you with it, um, but there are a number of different um, add backs that you can put in for women's football, for uh, academy football, for community investments uh, mm. that are allowable investments. So you take your number effectively on a profit and loss basis and then add back a number of uh, a number of those investments. And you have a tolerable lever. That tolerable lever is 5 million euros. Mm -hmm. um, so making sure that we are within that, and certainly in terms of the numbers that we posted last year, we were within that within that tolerable level. So we're, we're comfortable with that. That's one that we really need to keep an eye on uh, as we move forward because a club like Rangers um, in the... the environment, the macro environment that it's in from a commercial angle is different to a Fulham, to a Brighton, to anybody down south because of the, the value of the media revenues that we have here versus the value of the media revenues in, uh, in England. If we have a good European season or if we have a really bad European season, it can significantly impact on some of those football earnings issues. So it's important for us that when we're making investments, when we have, let's say we qualify for the Champions League, we need to make investments on a sustainable basis so that if, for example, the season after we go into the Europa League, we don't have a blowout uh, in terms of our in terms of our football earnings. So that's that's something we're, we're very, very close to and, and really on top of. The third one, which again, I think most supporters will be um, aware of, is the squad cost ratio. So this is where effectively you're looking at um, all of your... Uh, all of your player costs, your football management costs, and associated earnings, and looking at that against your revenue. A uh, couple of addbacks, a couple of adjustments here and there again. Uh, but broadly, what we're, the way that uh, UEFA are implementing this is over a three-year period. This year, you had to be at 90%, next year is 80%, and then the following season will be 70%, and it will stay at 70% moving forward. Our current ratio is well below 70%, um, so we're comfortable where that, that stands. This is why revenue growth for this football club has been so important in recent years. It really gives us a platform on which to build, a platform on which we can move forward with confidence in terms of signing players, in terms of investing in the first team, in terms of making sure that the product in the park is, is as good as we can make it. Uh, so all of those individually uh, we're comfortable with at the moment. That doesn't mean to say that we should be relaxed about it. We need to be on top of it. We need to continually uh, assess and, and make sure that we're where we need to be uh, but from a from a UEFA standpoint we feel that as a football club uh, we're progressing we've got a really good relationship with UEFA we maintain that relationship with UEFA and I think that's important as we move forward as well. Yeah great I think that's a question that is thrown at us quite a lot and it, it's great to have that explained. The next one is obviously where as fans we we like and it's about budgeting for like player purchasing for example and allowing the player trading model to flourish in order for that last pillar, as the chairman talks about, to really kind of come into effect, we're going to have to spend. Yep. 
So how do we budget for that? If we've got like a modest profit in recent accounts, how do we budget to sign Mohamed Diamandi, for example, for four and a half million pounds in the summer? I think that's what I'm trying to ask is if we have a very modest season, maybe we don't reach the heights in Europe and things like that, and it's a very modest year, how do we then extend the budget to get these players in in order to kick that back in again? Yeah, and, and it's a good question. I think the so answer in a couple of different ways. So, so first and foremost, I mentioned in terms of player amortisation line. So again, this is a slightly technical aspect, but when we look to invest in a player, that player is effectively an asset to the football club. So therefore, we would recognise the, the cost of that player over a three or four year period, depending on the length of the contract. So we have to take a view in terms of players rolling off, players rolling on, and take, take that live view over a period of time and ensure that um, we can provide the football board, uh, so John, James, Niels, etc., the manager, with the best quality of information that they have going into a transfer window so that when uh, a player like Diamandi uh, appears or, or Cortez uh, appears, that we have the, the confidence to be able to go forward and push forward knowing where that impact will, how that will impact our squad cost ratios, how that will impact our football earnings uh, position over the, the coming season, over the coming four and a half seasons in, in uh, Mundi Amandi's case. So for us, it's about having that live view and utilising, we talk about data quite a lot on the, the football side in terms of building player profiles. For us as a business, it's important we use data as much as possible and that real-time data as much as possible to ensure that from a financial standpoint, we are where we need to be, not only today, but also tomorrow. So there is a in terms of how we deliver that through the through the accounts, as I say, there's a there's a a period of time that we recognise that. In terms of the cash position, again, we've made a number of sales in recent years, and you referred to um to the time of transfer fees, uh, whether it be three or four instalments or whatever it may be. And again, that's no different. So we've still got um as I said, we mentioned uh, Joe Aribo and uh, Calvin Bassey just recently. So. Again, there is there are funds there that we will look to utilise and look to build a squad with. And while we recognise it in one year, the cash benefit comes through a number of different years. So, as I say, it's important that the football board, that the finance world are, are fully joined up. And, and I think we're really beginning to see the merits of that and the benefits of that uh, football board as we, as we move forward. Is there scope for more investment from the club's big investors? The likes of... Maybe... I'm thinking... Our, our big investors, we don't need to name them specifically, put mm-hmm. too much pressure on them, I think that would be unfair, but they've already funded quite a lot. How would that work against the, the kind of European laws, FFP and things like that, and is that achievable for the club? Yeah, look, I think one of the one of the things that uh, licensing monitoring is built on, as I mentioned, the acceptable deviation. If we go outside the acceptable deviation, then one of the ways of fixing that is through equity investment. You'll see a number of equity investments down south from various different football clubs. So for us as a football club, like we've got to make sure that we've got the right equity position on the balance sheet moving forward. What we want to do is move this football club to a sustainable business model where we don't rely on equity investment moving forward for um, perhaps working capital requirements. But if, any, if we do attract any equity investment moving forward, then it's to grow the football club. It's to grow the, the value of the squad. It's to grow the the size of this and whatever it may be, the size of the stadium. So we will take those decisions on a basis that it's something that would benefit the football club in the long run rather than necessarily as perhaps, and understandably so, done historically to bring 
to invest in the football club and, and bring Rangers back to uh, to approaching where we where we need to be. So there is always there is always scope for that. But again, for me, it's about making sure that we have a sustainable business model and we're not relying on that equity investment. Instead, we are if that does come, we're using it in a positive manner. Approaching the final kind of question, John, in the interview, James, again, thank you for your time. Just to ask you about the proposed new sports bar and what the kind of projected costs and forecasted income, is that then, does that then go towards what we discussed previously about helping against like various, you know, aspects that we have to hit, the, the likes of the European numbers and things like that? Is that another, you said that the, like the five million either side, you can, move things against that so for example investment in the new sports bar and, and facilities yeah. does that work like that is that allowed to happen a wee bit yeah uh, so you've got uh, you can have adjustments around finance costs uh, for stadium any, improvements yeah, and yeah, things like that exactly yeah. exactly so so absolutely you can do you can do things like that so that'd be the finance cost element mm -hmm. rather than the total amount but at the same time for for us as a football club i think the the investment in the campus is something that we've all seen in recent years we've seen the uh, we've seen the Emerson House, uh, the Blue Sky Lounge, how we're looking to try and evolve that match day experience uh, mm. and drive improvements for everybody within that match day experience. And, and the sports bar uh, for us is, is one aspect of that. Uh, so we're working through the kind of final stages of, um, of the financing uh, of the sports bar. Uh, and it's something we, we are still committed to and still want to deliver on. In terms of the, the revenue impact and, and what that looks like, I think for me, if you look at the Edmondson House uh, delivery and opportunity moving forward in the and the event space that that is, we have a real opportunity to drive a lot of growth through there. Mm. I think for me, the sports bar is almost more of a let's make sure that we deliver that match day experience for the supporters. How do we deliver something that that people want to come to, want to spend more time on on campus, and 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 for us, that's really the driver behind that investment. Uh, the operating model, how that delivers, when it's opened, what the kind of the nature of that is still being discussed, still being finalised. Mm. Um, but that's the we are still committed to, to being able to deliver that, and, and it's something we're all very excited about. What about the financial shape of the club? How would you describe it? Like the the debt position with directors' loans, are we comfortable there? And you're happy with the kind of trajectory trajectory? Easy for me to say, of the the financial shape of the club. Yeah, look, I think. And again, harking back to the to the revenue point, I think if we if we take a step back and look over the last six seven years, in terms of the revenue growth of the football club, has been super strong. So we've, I mean, we should all be really really proud of that. Supporters uh, who make it happen in terms of the strategy of the club, how it's been delivered, I think is really 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 impressive. What we're doing as a business, as I mentioned, and probably is coming across here, is we're maturing effectively uh, as a business. We're driving a little bit of more cost optimization into the model. We're trying to make sure that we have this sustainable business model moving forward that, that we can execute on over the, the forthcoming five-year cycle. So for me, it's about how do we how do we kind of ensure that in the shortest time frame possible. At the same time, if I look at other football clubs, whether it's down south, whether it's in Europe, and I look at the nature of the funding that they are taking in versus the nature of the funding that we have, it's very, very different. So we have a really supportive board, uh, a really supportive board. We have minimal external debt um, compared to compared to other football clubs. Uh, and those those investor loans, investor equity and capital that's come in is, it, it's, we're actually in a quite an enviable position 
um, as a football club. And that support from the board allows us to look at uh, players, allows us to accelerate our position in terms of getting ourselves back to where, where we all want us to be. And I think moving forward for me, what I want to do, and I mentioned in terms of moving away from equity as, as potentially utilising for working capital to utilising it for growth projects. Again, I want us to minimise the working capital gap. I want us to make sure that um, as a football club, we know the direction that we're, we're travelling in and, and we have the confidence and the ability to hit that, that sustainable business model within the next, the next two years, next two or three years. So how would I describe it? Um, continuing to improve, I guess, is... is is my perspective on it. As I say, outside in, it's been really impressive in terms of the revenue growth. For us now, it's about maturing the remainder of that business model and driving that sustainability. Final question. I think you've touched on this. So in, in fairness, we might be repeating, but could we ask you, when do we expect to turn a profit regularly or be self-sustainable? I know that we're nearly there. Mm -hmm. And the question, I suppose, is, is making a small loss or gain the kind of position you would expect us to be in? Are we... Basically, what I'm asking is, we're past the days of making ten million pound losses. Is it going to be round about where we are and being self sustainable? And you obviously we talked about the ten million deficit, and you covered that. So, without repeating, maybe when can we, or when is the hope for the board and the directors of of being a self sustainable football club? Yeah, I mean, a short answer to that one is as soon as possible. Um, I think the the longer answer to that is, and, and I touched on it probably just a, a good a good place just to kind of reiterate around the the almost the controllable aspect uh, in terms of the business, and then the the player trading aspect in terms of how how we see it through the PL. So, being able to bring ourselves, where should we land um, in a Champions League season versus a Europa League season, will be very different. Um, so if we're aiming for a break even position in a Europa League season. And I mentioned earlier on around the risk, perhaps, of over-investing in a Champions League season. So perhaps in a Champions League season, there's a, there's a model that says we run at a, a larger profit, which will help us in future years from a football earning standpoint because it's taken over a three-year average. So that, that's a potential, potential model, but we really need to kind of get into the, the meat around what does that look like over the next three to five-year cycle, which is the work that James and I, the rest of the exec board, are really kind of getting into at the moment. That 20, Rangers twenty thirty strategy, which which will be um, delivering over the um, over the forthcoming months, is really about how do we deliver a a business model, a shape is probably the way, the way I would describe it, that delivers us to um, to break even pre player trading. Some years, in terms of the bottom line post player trading, that might be a loss. Some years, it might be a profit again, depending on the player gain or otherwise that we recognize in that season. So. To answer your question, probably not very helpfully, <laughs> is from my perspective, pre-player trading, we want to get break-even. Bottom line, sometimes it'll be a profit, sometimes it'll be a loss. In a Champions League year, we would want it to be a profit, but the years of £10 million losses, um, this exec, this board, um, are, are absolutely adamant that we're moving forward and moving away from that and, and making that go away. And I think the the support, the revenue growth, the 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 support of the supporters is, is is fantastic around the the continued backing of what you're trying to achieve as a football club. This doesn't go away. That number does not go away without the backing of the supporters. Mm -hmm. And we need to really kind of continue to 
to recognise that, continue to improve the match day experience and continue to deliver the best possible product we can in the football park every Saturday. And, and that's what we're, we're all dedicated to doing. I suppose, in a, in a strange way, what I was actually asking you is, are we heading towards normalisation in the accounts? Is that what we can expect to see round about the labels? And you've answered that as being exactly where you should be. Some years it'll maybe be slightly one yep. way, slightly the other way, but we're now seeing stability. Stability is a good word. I think stability is a good word. Stability is a word that um, I think we should be aiming for. Um, I think we had, uh, in terms of the accounts we're describing a couple of quarters, it's kind of relatively boring last year. Um, I like that. Like, uh, a bit more of that. <laughs> accounts, as an accountant, yeah, I do like it being boring. So, um, yeah, look, from, from my perspective, if we can get more stability, more maturity in the business model, uh, and I think I'm seeing a lot of that in the club now, um, and I'm I'm super confident that we'll be able to drive that moving forward. So, yeah, stability is a is a nice word to finish on. James Taylor, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you talking to us and and giving that access to the fans. It's much appreciated. Brilliant, thank you. Appreciate it. Four Lads Bite Size Podcast is exclusively sponsored by Rhino Express, in association with Zenith Coins, Alexander Campbell Interiors, Rangers Pools. Please don't forget to drop us a like and a follow if you enjoy all our content. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, please subscribe. It really helps the podcast grow. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening.